December 19th, 2023. Let us gather together and experience the goodness of God. I'm Pastor Trey Comstock. We will begin with our scripture of the week, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and verses 8 through 11, and a piece by me entitled, It All Goes Back Together Again. Then, Pastor Emily Larson and I will talk scripture and run down the top five lessons that we learned this year about making church happen. But first, a reading from Isaiah chapter 61. Verses 1 through 4 and verses 8 through 11. The Spirit of God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall bind up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations." For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed." I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. In normal life, the toothpaste does not go back in the tube. One cannot always put Humpty Dumpty back together again, even with all the king's horses and all the king's men. In the U.S. alone, we crush between 12 and 15 million cars that could not be repaired or weren't worth fixing. When fire or storm or flood or neglect hit a building, they can end up beyond the pale and get knocked over to make way for something new. Union United Methodist Church sat tucked into a corner of a family farm deep in the piney woods of East Texas. In a time of circuit-riding pastors on horseback, the placement made sense. Three other small Methodist churches also inhabited that community, each a half-day's horse ride apart. Union's attendance dwindled to just a couple of families. The real challenge came from the main beam supporting the roof. Over the decades, it began to bow. By 2019, the extent of the damage verged on the danger point, and the amount of money required to fix the issue exceeded the capacity of the small congregation. They held an emotional final hymn sing and close their doors. In normal human relationships, they cannot always go back to what once existed. Even when forgiveness does happen, things can still end up permanently altered. Some trauma takes a lifetime to work through. Some people refuse to change. A breach of trust can forever fragment a relationship. I had a friend in high school. We both liked the same girl. She ended up choosing me, which in retrospect was not a good or healthy thing. Some of that stemmed from the fact that said girl and I turned out to be incapable of having a healthy relationship. However, my friend always seemed connected to particular moments of trouble. A couple of years later, when we all came home after our first year in college, this friend told me that he deliberately tried to disrupt my relationship with the girl because she had chosen me. The ups and downs of that relationship hurt me a lot at the time, and to know that someone who had claimed to be my friend orchestrated some of that hit me hard. I only spoke to him one more time after that. I did eventually forgive him. We were both mixed up in mildly weird teenagers. Hating him only began to poison what fond memories of high school that I do have. Still, that friendship died from the amount of harm done. 
normal life works one way. God works another way. God's people ended up in exile for a reason. They had a lot of time to avoid it, but at some point they chose not to follow God's way, to not take care of the poor and struggling among them, and to not see the blessings of what they had. The generations of harm in the divine human relationship built up until exile became unavoidable. Yet, by the grace of God, the story doesn't end there. Out of love, commitment, and righteousness, God moved. The people returned. Isaiah 61 comes from the heart of the third section of Isaiah, where the prophet gets to announce the coming restoration of Zion. Not only do the people get set free from Babylon, but all that got broken will go back together. As it says in verses 10 and 11, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. Zion itself sings of its own restoration. God has reclothed it beautifully, and like a garden bursting forth with life, the people can again live righteously with God. Sure, they should have done that from the beginning. But the grace and righteousness of God means that this is one relationship that can always go back completely. Isaiah 61 gets an interesting New Testament coda as well. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus returns from his temptation in the wilderness and goes to his hometown synagogue to read scripture to the assembled worshipers. He chooses the first two verses of Isaiah 61, as it says in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 22. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? As will become a common theme in the life and ministry of Christ, the assembled crowd tries to kill him soon after this declaration. However, even the crowd missed the point, we shouldn't. Christ gives us a clear signpost of what his own ministry is. That the thing that happened when the people returned from exile and Zion and righteousness got restored, it's happening again. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are the amplification of what Isaiah declared. Now, for all people and for all time, the harm, the weight of sin, the consequences of our own failures and frailties need not separate us from our perfect and righteous Creator. In Christ, we have the opportunity to again be God's beautifully arrayed bride and the fruit of a garden of righteousness. We can always be restored to who God meant for us to be. This is the gift of grace. That's what begins with Christ's coming into the world. So as you just heard in the piece, this is fundamentally, in a real way, a scripture about grace. It doesn't pitch itself that way, right? It pitches itself as a celebration of God, of God's justice, of God's righteousness. But that's why you have to settle it in the context of what is happening? What prompts this utterance? And it is that Zion is going to be, and it says it in there, right? That Zion is going to be restored. And so that is the like 
way grace works in the Old Testament, right? It is not, I think we've talked about this in this on the show before, but it is not like a testament about grace and a testament about judgment or, or whatever we keep calling the Old Testament because it just isn't. It just isn't. Like, it just, it it just is, isn't. It's still a testament about redemption and grace. Yeah. All of the testaments are about yeah. redemption and grace. Of course, we're Methodists, so grace is kind of central to our theology, but still, it is all about redemption and grace. Right, that that the arcs are, you just, you get, the Old Testament certainly reminds you more than the parts of the New Testament that we like to read about the, like, hey, God really does care about how you behave. No, no, God really cares about how you behave. That's in the New Testament, too. We just like to glance over it for the visitors. Um, <laughs> we, we leave a lot of those out, or we, you know, spiritualize <laughs> them, or we, you know, we try to soften them. And and, and as someone reminded me uh, in a board meeting, I was in our board meeting on the Sunday, you know, Jesus braided the whips and drove them out of the temple. And I'm like, yeah, no, he did do that. Um, interesting. It's almost like Jesus also cared about how we behave. But I digress. Right. This is fun <laughs> because this is a scripture somewhere in the we're coming back from exile process. We don't fully know, like, is it like an announcement? It it feels like an announcement that we're going home. This could be on the road back because that would have taken more than a minute. It's not a short walk from Babylon to, you know, well, it is nowadays, but like, you know, in a world before planes and trucks, like it was a long way back. Or is this like, hey, you've just arrived. Let's get psyched. Um, we know by chapter 64, because we did this a couple of weeks ago, they are not so pleased to be back. So I really, I, I am mad. So this is pure imagination, right? We know it's somewhere in the, like, return from exile process. I imagine this as the pep talk before we hit the road. The, like, right. okay, let's gather around. We now have a pronouncement from the prophet. Um release the captives. We're going home. Zion is being restored. God cares about justice. We're so stoked. Because verses 10 and 11 is like Zion, you know, imagining how stoked it is. Um, we're so stoked to be going back. God has been gracious. This is about grace. This is about a relationship that did not have to be restored that God is choosing to restore. That is grace, right? That is the, like, then uh, they didn't earn it. They just sat in time out for a long time. And God, <laughs> and they could have sat, but like, for what they did, for what we've all done, we could sit in time out forever. 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 Yeah. But I like your analogy of this is the pep talk before the yeah. road trip. This yeah. is, you know, that playlist that you have yeah. that gets you all pumped up. Um, and fanboys is all rush all the time. Yeah. Um, this is that tape being played going, okay, but we should get really pumped because even though we didn't deserve it, here comes the grace, here comes the redemption. God actually well, cares. And I also like that it is, um, they're going to do better this time. Like there's a strong, like we're, they're going to do better this time element. But yeah. We're going to get pumped and we're going to do better better this time it's gonna be great yes i you know i was saying this before the show i'll say it on air too you know it, it is when you're a preacher with depression it is sometimes weird to be depressed in the middle of advent um because i'll admit that like we've we've had you know three weeks of perhaps the moodiest advent reflections um you know I, this is meant to be a season of light and, and perhaps my reflections have been you know reflected my uh mental state but I certainly Isaiah 64 is just a moody text. Um, it is part of the lectionary. It's just I happened to pick it partly because we'd done a similar theme two weeks previous. Um, but this also, I, I we've ended up kind of really nestled for these three weeks. And Mary, the we're going to do Mary this week, and it's, it's a little different. Um, we've been really nestled in this exile story, right? Or the like. What does it mean for it all blew up in the like, you know, six and seven hundreds BC? And then 
it doesn't really go back together fully until the birth of Christ. Right? So we've kind of been in this arc. I see that. I mean, you've talked about the moodiness and the, you know, the less than lightness of this section. Um, But, you know, you can't have that light unless you visit the darkness. You can't appreciate the light unless you spend a little time realizing where you've come from. Um, You know, that appreciation of God's grace, that appreciation of what God has done in this redemptive work of Jesus Christ I feel like is more appreciated after I have spent some time considering all of the ways that I have needed that grace in my life. And I feel like that's kind of where we can be collectively as a congregation, um, as, as a church, capital C together is that we could spend some time remembering the, the woe is me, the darkness that we would have been in if not for this light of Christ that came into the world. Um, well, and, how, and this is really going back to the talk from last week, but like how long that was, right? How long it was before all the pieces came back. But even if you just want to look at today's text, right? Like how long that exile was, right? Like it wasn't a couple of years. It was a couple of generations. Right. And that is, and, and that was at a time coming off a time where, the temple is very central, right? If you you think of the work of what the ref, you know the reformer kings that do pop up immediately before it all completely falls apart, right? Like you know, um, particularly folks like Hezekiah and Josiah, um, making sure we're dragging things back, dragging things back, folk. Like let's this is you know focus. Let's, Focus. 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 Okay. Look at me. Let's do this thing the right way now. Right. We've we've rediscovered the law and the wall of the temple, a thing that happens under the reported at the reign under King Josiah. You can debate what this actually means, but as reported in the book of First Kings, the book of the law was had been lost, and we found it in the wall <laughs> of the temple, friends. Right. We. We understand this historically to mean the book of Deuteronomy. Now, what does it mean we found it in the wall of the temple? Depends how literal you want to be on this. Does it mean that, like, you know, Josiah working with the Deuteronomistic scholars, the kind of religious leadership of the time, create a re-encapsulation of the law? Maybe. Or... (laughs) Scrolls get lost all the time, friends. They could have been in the walls. We don't know. Um, <laughs> and so, like, there was this real, like, let's drag it back. This is about the w- worshiping God the right way, in the right place, with the right people. And then that all gets blown up for two generations. And now, they get a chance for it to go back. And not back with caveats, back without caveats. They are a bride adorned for a wedding. They are a garden bearing fruit of righteousness. You get to be God's unasterisked people again with God. It really does go back in truly miraculous ways. It's not just the, like you were saying, Humpty Dumpty being put back together, but you still see the cracks in the eggshell. This is Humpty Dumpty gets fully restored. This is the toothpaste actually goes back in the toothpaste tub. Um, It actually gets fully restored, not just like to a former glory, but also to a new glory. Um, And and I, I, I highlighted that, like, this is not how human relationships work. Right? Because... And, and and I don't think necessarily should, right? This, this is the difference between, like, forgiveness and the grace of God, right? right. It's not forgive and forget with humans. <laughs> right. And and perhaps, nor should it be. Right. Um, but with God, it really, it really is. It really is that God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt— who brought you back home will be your God again. And you can again be God's righteous people 
Yes. So be God's righteous people. So maybe be God's righteous people. Now that your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west, maybe do it right this time. Maybe try maybe. this relationship differently this time, living into that grace and redemption. Do better because you have that opportunity. And so that it's not, but that's not just God's people. I, I, I'll, I'm going to confess that I did not remember that this is what Jesus read in Luke chapter four. That came up in a thing that I read. I, you know, I, you know, I always have grand ambitions of being better at this than I am, but like in my reading, um, do I remember that he read something from, from Isaiah then? Yes. I did remember that much. Um, I also had forgotten how early in Luke that is. Yeah. That it is like, literally he goes from temptation to that. Yes. It's one of the Um, first things that we hear. Right. So this is like Jesus essentially, other than he gets busted as a 12-year-old having snuck away from his parents (laughs) um, and his argument with the devil. Right. This is his first public ministry. Excuse me. As related in Luke. And it is, he shows up in his hometown. He reads the opener of this. He says, it's happening again. And then essentially they try to kill him. True. True, true. It's the whole gospel right there. <laughs> Jesus saying, it's happening again. You're messing up the law again. We're having to fix it again. By the way, I'm the solution. And then they try to kill him. And then they try to kill him. That yeah. is, uh-huh. Um, Run him out of town. It turns out all the gospel writers pretty darn good writers and this is you know this is the truly beautiful flourish from luke um because you you have no like you have no idea how much they know of how all of the different pieces fit together right because all the gospels tell different anecdotes at different times right for john the first public ministry is of course he turns water into wine it's great he tells his mom it's not my time yet and she's like do it anyways and he's like fine (laughs) okay mom okay mom and then he does it right um jesus honors his mother and his father um jesus too does that and that's why he turns water into wine you know um i I forget what mark opens with um but like they all are piecing these things together but luke in this wonderful flourish goes reads isaiah 61 says hi we're doing this again it's good we're doing this again. This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hi. Hello. And then Hi, they try to kill him. Hi, that's me. Hi, that's <laughs> me. Um, and then they try to kill him. It's hysterical. But, like, but that's what, you know, how does this fit into Advent? Well, Jesus puts it there, right? Because Jesus said, this is not like, the constructor of the lectionary or me, the constructor of this series saying this, when I construct the series, I had for- totally forgotten about the Luke chapter four thing that he's reading this text that only came in me researching this particular sermon. Um, it is Jesus takes this prophecy about the restoration of Zion and seats it in his ministry saying this process of a world that has wandered off can be fully restored again if they want to be. Which is essentially what Isaiah 61 says, right? Um, it's a pep talk to make you want to do it, to make you want to be a garden of righteousness. Um, hey, you get to go back. It's so good. We're going to be so much better at caring for people who often get left behind again. We're going to be a garden of righteousness. Right? Totally. Right? Totally. <laughs> right? Um, so that's the choose to be, right? And, and, and the way we think of, we think about the Christian faith, right? Like, you, the, it's the free gift of grace um, that even, like, God works to draw you into. And so, but at some level, you have to choose, yeah, or nah, or yes and no, and yes and blah. but like <laughs> at some point there is still an element of seeking, choosing to seek to be a garden of righteousness, 
This is this is a way better phrase than being saved. Seeking right. to be a garden of righteousness. Seek to be a garden, garden of, of righteousness. righteousness. That's better than just like seeking to be totally righteous, man. Totally righteous. Like, We're gonna be like totally. a garden of righteousness. <laughs> we are gonna bear fruit like a garden of right. It's literally what it ends with, minus the like, you know, my my friend the stoner voice is it's we're going to be this garden of righteousness and jesus drags this pulls this forward um of saying okay yeah 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 so remember that time where zion was restored right like a bride being arrayed like a garden bearing the fruit of righteousness where god said i'm gonna release the captives i'm gonna zion's going back it's all going back together i the lord god love justice cool yep happening again but bigger, but just like everything with, you know, that with Jesus from the Old Testament that gets pulled forward is this old thing, but more so. But bigger. Yes. And how much more is that still our job today right. as keepers of the word, as preachers, as pastors, as prophets, you know, that we also say, hey, God cares about this. God cares about redemption. God's giving this grace. Maybe do it better, friends. Like, let's do this again and become a garden of righteousness. This is um, where also, The same but better. This is where also not realizing what Jesus' name means is really a problem. We miss a thing, right? You miss a thing, right? When you say, like, Jesus, which is like a name that we know really well, right? But that's not... Sorry to be whatever. That's not his name. His name is Yeshua, which is Joshua, right? So what did Joshua do, right? Well, so Joshua takes over from Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's Joshua's key piece in the plot? He leads them into the promised land and settles them there. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, as portrayed in Luke, he stands up, reads Isaiah 61, Zion is being restored. Joshua, the one who brings you into the promised land, pulls the text from Isaiah. So, like, you know, round one of restoration, going from Egypt to the promised land, it's in his name. And mm-hmm. then the beginning of his public ministry is going from exile in Babylon to home to restored Zion. And that's what he says. Hi, I'm doing it again. <laughs> you know, we bash on the Israelites, the Hebrews in the old Testament a lot sure. for like, for not getting it over and over and over right. again. And for God having to keep coming in and rescuing them again. But I mean, uh, we're still in it, friends. We're still, right, like, <laughs> we still do that. Humanity still on- doesn't get it. It's almost like yeah. God had to tell us multiple times before we're finally going to get it. <laughs> it's almost like the Old Testament is also a book about humans' need for grace and how sometimes we get it. <laughs> right? Like, like it's a testament of grace as well. It's, like it's, a, it's, like, it's almost like it's a testament of grace as well. Because and it because it is also about like this you know we talked with you know when we we've touched on judges and we've touched on some other stuff um, that like it is this spiral that is like slowly like spinning itself out of control and God's righteousness within that that says yeah I know but I'm gonna stay with you right. And this is, you know, that the Old Testament has a plot arc is in some ways a function of the exile, right? As they're they're pulling these stories together, um, some of what I suspect they're doing is like, hey, like, here's how we keep landing here. And here's how we keep getting out of it. Mm -hmm. And then what you land with the New Testament is not a new idea. It's an expanded idea. This is actually what Paul is saying in Romans. When when you do what I did, which is, I don't recommend. Um, so many years ago now, like six years ago now, I, um, well, I needed a weekly Bible study, like a weekly sermon series for my Wednesday night service at Grace Church, the people of the second chance. And 
I was like, you know, Romans is like Christian theology in miniature. Let's do Romans. That's great. Then I didn't look at the book of Romans. And then I said out loud and committed myself to, I'm going to do Romans a half chapter at a time. Okay, so here's the problem with that. Romans is 16 chapters long. So you commit once a week to do a half chapter of Romans. That is, this is math, a minimum of 32 weeks of Romans. It was almost a whole year it took us of ten months. It took us 10 months. Um, because there's like, you know, one-offs for Ash Wednesday. And, and holidays. Holy, holy and week. And I would get sick and whatever. So it took us 10 months. Um, but what I ended up with was... I like a very in depth look, <laughs> look at the at book Romans. of Romans. <laughs> right. Um, a 10 month study of the book of Romans. The book of Romans. And this is actually what Paul, one of the things that Paul is getting at in Romans is that we as Gentile Christians are grafted into, by the grace of Christ, grafted into a story that was already happening. Mm hmm. Like, in some ways, this like series of kind of where we're, we're doing like a prepare for Advent by spending two of the four weeks in the Old Testament. And then um, this coming week, we're going to look at Mary and then the ways in which Mary is also going to be quoting Isaiah 61 um, in the Magnificat. It's weird. Luke keeps coming back to this. Um, it's almost like it's a theme. Um, <laughs> that, but some of it's grounded in what Paul is doing in Romans in, in making that link. Paul is the one that gets at. Paul, if we would read the Bible, the Bible itself tells you there are not um, like two testaments. It's just a useful division. Mm -hmm. This is one long story of God's redemption for all people. It functions differently for Jews and Gentiles merely because of what your previous relationship history is with God, but fundamentally, it's all one redeeming arc across right. the whole thing. This is, there are no new storylines. Yeah. Are you familiar right. with the phrase? Yes. There, yeah, yeah. There are no new storylines. This is the taming of the shrew is 10 things I hate about you. The movie. This is. This the is Lion the Lion King, King is, is Hamlet. Is Hamlet. Yes. Hamlet. This is. There are no new storylines. This is the same story in right. a New Testament. This is the same story today. You can bring this into today um, and the church's story as a whole. Um, God's redemptive arc covers from the beginning of time to today um, but that redemption that grace that restored relationship that god is getting at has been the same yesterday today and forever well because it, it, it gets at the because it gets at the nature of humans and god mm -hmm. right that why do we keep why is this the continuing arc because this is something fundamental about humans and something fundamental about God. Humans wander yes. off. Right? This is a, a function of free will. Is Humans need grace. Need grace. And God is gracious and righteous. Yes. Right? God Righteous meaning God made this promise. And even if we keep breaking it, God's not going to. Right. Beyond our is, deserving, God is beyond, righteous and, and, and then. The graces we keep getting offered, not just these like watered down chances, but these like fully restored chances. Right. But that it like that it is cyclical and that it is an arc across two testaments into today is because it gets at that really fundamental nature that Isaiah 61 gets at this like fundamental nature of God. We talked about this last week, right? Like what is the scripture if not a whole bunch of people trying to tell you what they know about God? Right. Now here's, you know, what Isaiah round three is trying to tell you about God is that God is gracious. And that in this case, the toothpaste goes back in the tube. Your and car those... that had a massive smash up can be fully repaired. Yes. And all of those, those snippets and those pictures and those snapshots 
show consistently throughout all of time this redemptive nature of God, this gracious and righteous nature of God. So it's, if we cannot agree on anything else, if the perspectives of God show only snippets and pictures that are all different, the one thing that everybody can agree upon is this redemptive arc. It's this redemptive arc across time, across space, because it gets at fundamentally who, who are humans. We are made in the image of God and we are eminently distractible. And who is God? Righteous, all-powerful creator, yes. And righteous, yes. But gracious also. This is grace. This is, you know, again, um, a joke. have been depressed for six weeks. But, like, this is fundamentally was a, a sermon that ends on, or an essay and, and a sermon that ends on an upbeat thing. Because in the sermon, I, I, I pointed out the fundamental, like, sometimes you're not always going to feel it. Right. And, but luckily, this is not a religion of feeling; just a religion of feelings. Right. The grace of God exists whether you feel it or not. Um, you know, one of the most, you know, this starts to get to our next segment, but like one of the most frustrating things I've ever heard um, in trying to rebuild a church is like, I just don't feel God's presence here anymore. And I'm like, I'm sitting in this this meeting that clearly has not gone well. And I'm like, what do you mean? That is not how God works. That's not how God works. <laughs> you, you think that like you don't have the power to drive God out of that service. <laughs> um, you, you think so, that like an indifferent pastor to which you are indifferent about in this case me has the power to drive God from the building? What? Right. No, no, that's not how this works. That's not, not how any of this any works. of this works. Um, and so we don't actually know what the people are feeling in the moment where Isaiah Isaiah round three gives this pep talk. We don't know. We know in three chapters they're going to be really sad. Um, so this speaks to a reality of God, whether we feel it or not. Mm-hmm. It is just, it just is. We always have this opportunity. God has never given up on us. God is never going to give up on us. That is the nature of God's righteousness, that God's never going to get up on us. And God's grace is we can always put it back in the tube. Amen to that. And we'll be back on the other side of the break to talk about what we've learned about how to trying to put church back in the tube um, or get it out of the tube. I don't know. Or put Humpty Dumpty back together again. How do, what we've learned about putting Humpty Dumpty back together again um, over the course of this year in a segment we call How to Restart a Church. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back uh, for a segment we call How to Restart a Church. Um, and as this is our last show of the year, uh, we're taking uh, next week off from podcasting to observe a religious holiday. Um, <laughs> heaven forbid a religious podcast observes a religious holiday. Um, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to us. Um, we have one fewer show. Now, we're still doing two shows this week because we've got a show. On- Anyways, um, we have some scheduling challenges, um, but we are not trying to fit in three shows this week um and so there will be no show next week um and then there will be a show that goes live whenever that is the second of january um so this is our last show of 2023 um and wanted to do the like top five things we learned about how to restart a church this year theoretically one of the things we do here And why we have this segment of the show is that we're supposed to be learning things, learning from people, learning from the places we go, the books we read, the righteous gemstones. Um, (laughs) Or wherever, you know, inspiration can come from anywhere. how to restart a church because it's not easy um, and not straightforward. But just as we saw those themes throughout scripture... Yeah. 
And so the first thing that keeps coming up across what we keep reading is what we talked about at the end of the show um, last week, I think, or recently, that it turns out that the world is still a much more spiritual place than you would think. It is just a less religious place. And this is this has come at us from a number of ways, whether it was um, in talking to Sean's, whether it was in any number of articles and surveys that we have read about shifting trends in religiosity. It is a shifting trend of religiosity, not some like all conquering victory of Soviet style rationality. Right. That it's not that atheism wins and God is dead and we have to have movies about how God's not dead. That's not actually the thing we're up against. Um, Because people are still spiritual. Turns out, as we're talking about, like, that nature of humanity. What, weirdly, I have found in books and things from Pew Research and the Associated Press is that the soul of humanity is not dead. We have not, turns out, that humans truly are fundamentally spiritual beings, and they still are in the 21st century. I am still aware of that fact because you know there's that whole movement of just like no i i don't have a soul we're all just you know made up of squishy stuff and that's it no we're still aware that we are a soul that we have a spiritual side and that that spiritual side seeks to connect with the divine that's not a mystery everybody can well almost everybody can agree that we are in fact spiritual seeking to connect something greater than ourselves the vast majority and what is on the decline in the United States specifically? I always want to, and, and Western Europe, right? Because if you go to places like Africa, parts of South, parts of South America, your Christianity is booming, and so it's not, right. you know, um, uh, rumors of our demise have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> um, but even in these like. We we call it things like the secularization, and and that's true in that it is a world or is a part of the world becoming less religious, but it is not a part of the world becoming significantly less spiritual, because again it turns out that like that's just a part of humanity, and so like human nature just as we were talking about the previous thing like human nature hasn't changed the internet or whatever else we thought was going to like all the other things that we thought was going to just ruin humanity forever hasn't right. We can be both rational and, you know, it's a, it's an overly intellectual, whatever, right? Like we can be both rational and spiritual that still exists. The struggle is with how do we connect people to organized religion or religion or or a a faith community, right, which is the actual thing right. I care about, um, in ways that feel authentic, you know, ways that work, and so that's so part of the frame is one of the things I learned is hope is not lost, friends, but we are going to have to do some some things differently. And so Emily, what was the, the one of the ones you had a good way of putting it? One of the ones. Well, so being authentic, being transparent, um, the thing that gets people to connect with your um, spiritual community is to be authentic. It's not to have the most expensive, to have the Jesus concert, to have the best programming. It's not to have the best whatever. I finally watched the flying drummers. Okay. (laughs) So I think we've talked about this before. There's a church in Fort Worth um, that suspended drummers from the ceiling for a Christmas on like a fly system. Oh, and, my Lord. And I had seen an image of the rehearsal and I thought it was just one drummer. Emily, it was not one drummer. It was like eight drummers. But like, all, what are they drumming all, on? Like All suspended from the ceiling. And then there are laser lights. And then five of the suspend, 
drums. Like they have like like uh like drum major drums, um, like marching band drums, like snares, like with, yeah. strapped to their bodies. They're suspended from the ceiling. Yeah, sure, you know wow. words. I don't. <laughs> um, and and five of them are on track, not just on fly system, which means up down. They're on tracks, and so they're flying over the heads of the congregation. Wow. It's a, it's astounding. So I had Speaking seen of an image. Jesus concert. So the thing that went viral a year ago or whatever that was, was like an image from rehearsal. So then I'm at, uh, I'm at family dinner and I mentioned the flying drummers. And so then we look it up and we watch the actual thing and it only gets more insane. Wow. Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> but you don't actually, so like we can't afford to do that. Right. right? But you don't actually have to right. for people to yeah. care. People don't actually care about how flashy you are. In fact, that kind of turns people off um, a lot of times because they don't want something that could seem like a show. They like want the Righteous Gemstones. Real. Right, like the Righteous Gemstones. They want the real experience. They want the actual connection with the divine. They want the actual community that cares. They want real true genuine fellowship they want real true genuine communion with the divine um and you don't have to have the fancy things to do that i was watching a um end of your video from tested.com which is this um adam savage from mythbusters has a like a maker channel on youtube and anyways um and kate sabaker who's one of their contributors they all do like a their favorite things of the year oh here's a tool i found and here's a cool piece of art and whatever and, and, I, and I watch it because they're nerdy in the ways that i am that's how i found this jacket that i'm wearing um my exact replica of a, a nasa type 2 flight jacket from the apollo era one of my most prized possessions um <laughs> so kate sabaker did hers and one of her things was for the uh, series of Star Wars meetups called Mosh Isley. Um, and it is... Like Mosh Pit and Mosh Isley Mosh Pit and Mosh Isley. Okay. And the way she describes it is what she's describing is she found like a really... Like what I how I would describe like a really good religious community of like really accepting. And it doesn't matter like if you like some shows and other people like other shows, because Star Wars can get real gatekeepy. You and I both right. live in this fandom and get really gatekeepy. Right. And like, you know, I happen to be very pro Obi-Wan and, and, and you, know, or, you know, I like right. the new trilogy just fine. I've come around on most of the prequels. I've even starting to come around on Hayden Christensen, but I digress badly. <laughs> um, but she's just describing that, like, it's really accepting and, like, people, that, like, they listen to, like, music from the 2000s and they all just, like, dance and they're very free and, you know, it's okay to be a woman in a Star Wars space. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's a real dude fandom, isn't it? Um, and I'm sitting there going, she has found authentic community. Yes. What she has found in Mosh Isley. And like, great. Like, that's awesome. Um, if, if I, if I wasn't going to Orlando in March, I might go to the, I, I might go to Mosh Isley. Um, because you're like, you're dancing and you're waving a lightsaber around. And I have a lightsaber that I made mounted on my wall in my home studio. <laughs> a very real thing that I spent 250 actual American dollars on. That happened. But. But when you find that fandom, that genuine community, I mean, it's right. Comic-Con, right? right? It's Mosh yeah, Isley it, sounds like Comic-Con, which is genuinely, genuine community, right? right? They can be exactly who they are. They don't have to hide it. You can let your weird out because you're the same kind of weird as me. You know, those are so the th things that people are actually looking and, for is and this authenticity. Goes, and this goes back to the, like, also the, like, it turns out humans still spiritual. Great. Yes. Turns out. Humans really do want authentic community. Yes. We just, and theoretically, that's the thing we have. Yes. That's the pitch, right, on church, is we're supposed to be, for the world, Mosh Isley. Yes. Okay. So, and, you know, we, we are supposed to way. order our lives like, around that community and so that is, in a very real way. Yeah. 
Um, so the next thing um, that is also connected to this, um, these kind of the, these these three interconnected ones, is so it turns out that the failure of mainline churches, uh, the, people didn't leave because they hate us. They leave because we didn't make them care. This is from nonverts, but I've just I've been I've been stuck on it all year. Um, that the issue isn't um, that you know we we are not like some embattled thing where the world is out to get us and they just the world just wants us to die. No, no. we're doing a pretty good job dying on our own. Um, they don't care, and like. Maybe they think well of us. Maybe they think a little ill of us. But the ill to well is not the thing that's killing us. The thing that's killing us is like when people were in our doors, we didn't make them care about the actual religious, authentic religious experience community thing. And now that they're gone, like they're not looking at us going, I'm out to get those Christians. It is. I mean, cool. I'm glad that works for you. But like I'm over here and I'm going to brunch. Right. Cool. I'll see you at brunch after church. Right? Like it it is it it's it's really fun, I guess, to be like the embattled, like we get to go back to our underground church days when the Romans were out to kill us. And it's just not what's happening. It's not um, where we are. It's not where we are. We just never <laughs> became a priority. We never well, became I, the thing they cared about. I I I, you know, I, I think I said this when we talked about nonverts, but like, I resonate with all of the things they said about m- the mainline churches. For just for some reason, I'm still here, yeah. and we all wonder why. But I'm still here. Somehow, I became a pastor despite mainline Christianity's best efforts. I'm still here, um, and and sometimes I really just think it's out of like stubborn determination that I, I had a, a, a I actually had the atheist teacher um, who was like yeah when you're older you're not going to believe in this anymore and I was like 14 at the time um, and I was like I don't think I don't think that's how I work and maybe I'm still here just to prove that teacher wrong I have no idea anymore <laughs> <laughs> because certainly I, it's a little I, more than that at this point I mean, but yeah yeah know. <laughs> but like I you know, I'm still a Christian for many reasons. Why am I still a mainline Christian? But like, I resonate with all the ways that like, we didn't make this anything other than, you know, a squishy belief in Jesus and you should probably be nice and maybe don't have sex before marriage. And, and like, it's a cool social club, maybe, but maybe, you know, you can get that at the Lions Club or the Junior the, League or the whatever. Your right. Monday night trivia group at the pub could be right. that. And so we... We didn't, what we failed at was to make people care yeah. about, like, we left out the part that something life transformational is happening here, because we kind of assumed that people didn't need their lives transformed, I guess. I, 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 I don't know, but we failed. And so, again, it is not about, th- th- this is real, you know, this has been, a, a, certainly for this year, um, like a real shift in my thinking of... This is about showing the world that not that like they're going to fry because that I also don't think that's good, but that there is actually something powerful and transformational here. Right. That there is value in this theology that we keep toting around to people. Right. It's beautiful. Theology is beautiful. Mm -hmm. That we do this for a reason, not just because we think it's nice and pretty and you should go to church because your mama said so and it makes her happy on Christmas and Easter. Right. And so, (laughs) yeah, so this kind of like, this is kind of a set where the other two are a little different. But like, one is like, turns out humans still spiritual. Turns out one of the core ways to bring people back is actually authentically be good Christians. Right. And it's wild as that sounds. That's real. Um, and that part of where we failed is we didn't make people care. We didn't show the real power of what is happening here. Mm-hmm. We just made this another nice thing in a world where people just do nice things. Right. And that misses the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next thing is, uh, the thing you're building may not look the way you think it's going to. Um, when we went to U- Union Coffee, I think is the like 
ultimate example of what we saw. Um, we're sitting in a what is definitely a worship service. And uh, we sang along to thematically appropriate yet technically secular songs. All art is sacred, so whatever. Right. Grow up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, songs by secular artists, not Tomlin. Right. Um, and we mostly spent the time talking to other people. Yes. Uh, with, like, discussion questions. And then there was, like, sharing. And so there was no line between worship and small group. Right. And it was, it was just, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was, it was great. beautiful. You know, it was very I, worshipful and very meaningful. Yeah. And I think we get, and I get, you know, as a person who grew up trying to make laser light shows happen. Um, although I never had access to a fly system with 10 drummers. Um, wouldn't put it past me. Never had access. Don't know <laughs> what I would do then if I had access to them because I didn't <laughs> but I even I can get stuck in my you know I, my little box of right. well it you know and for me it is in some ways like the, the opposite box that I can get stuck in it's like it needs to be totally alternate space um, and well until we have that what can we really do and the truth is is like maybe we should push a thing out the door and start somewhere right but that whatever you have in your mind that it has to be maybe it doesn't have to be that way because Union wasn't even designed to look the way it looked when we were there it evolved over, it evolved and shifted over time into the beautiful thing it is now. Yeah. And so all the people we've talked to in the, like, the field trips and our own journey of like, we walked into the year thinking we were doing one thing. I, you know, I, I came back, I came down from the mountaintop, aka I went to Galveston for a week, and I had like a plan of, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do exactly none of that plan. <laughs> That plan, for a lot of reasons, that we will maybe someday get on to this show um, when I can stop talking to lawyers about it. Um, <laughs> it's it's it not happening. It didn't happen. Right. It didn't happen. The, but, like, but, but that's the plan- part of the, like, you know, God is a God of creativity. God created all of creation. Um, so maybe we should get a little creative in our thinking, too. Maybe we yeah. should move with the creativity of the Holy Spirit and say that it doesn't have to be in our God-shaped box. We can go do something completely different. Well, until we can listen. go do something that the Holy Spirit is leading us to, even if it doesn't look like we think it should. And, and listen to the like, this is the discernment piece of like listening to the many inputs, right? And yes. some of the inputs are like, you know, I certainly believe in the like, God sent me a message and this is what it's going to be. But that could also just be the voices in your head thing I tell myself all the time and so it is like looking at all the things and trying to figure out where is God moving and it just may end up looking totally different than what you think and it may involve connecting God and connecting with people in ways totally different than you think you know I would love to open a coffee shop if that happens cool but we're going to be focused on this you know what blew up for us this year was ministry with children right right like you know and that would no 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 one had that or maybe Yenny did Yenny may well have had that plan but like when I walked into this year that is not what I thought was going to be the defining theme of 2023 for us. I really thought it was going to be about moving locations. And we, we're still here. Um, right. I'm still in this studio. I'm still, I'm still trapped in this box. Okay, I did make my camera shake. That's going to look really cool. Um, <laughs> I'm still trapped uh, in the box. Let I'm me still out. Trapped Your in this camera's box. shaking. <laughs> but like, we have like tripled the number of young people we're in ministry with to the point where we are perhaps a majority under 18 congregation. Right. That was not true 12 months ago. And that was not on any of the bullet points. It's just what happened. Um, we, we gave away 150 right. Christmas gifts on Sunday. It's just where God brought this congregation in this time and space. 
And it's just, it's kind of, you know, I, I thought we were going to buy a van, but I'm not it's sure it was so that we could, you know, be shuttling. To, I, I, you know, the thing that defined this year, which has been really our ministry with, uh, with, with children, children, immigrant children. Um, that's not, was not the plan. And yet it's been amazing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely astounding. Um, and, you know, I think when I walked into this year, I'm not sure I really believed that a cohesive church was going to come out of this. Um, and yet that's the other thing that's defined it. The thing that I didn't, I didn't necessarily think was possible. Um, because it's just hard. And I didn't think we had time to really pull it off because we were dying real fast. Um, is actually like we're what we're going to come out of with this is like one church and one vision, which was always like the hope, but it have it's happened. It's right? happened by the grace of God. That's that piece of, of redemption. God is in the business of redemption yeah. of redeeming these two halves back together. Um, and here it is in here action. Is. Here's yeah. the thing and we saw, and we're still being surprised by God's grace yeah. in that. Yeah. And so it's just it, you know, if I. If this year has been, both in our research and just in our living, has been emblematic of anything, is this God is a God of surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't put yourself in a box because God doesn't live in a box. Um, the last thing, and this is, the, you know, this is me, the hard-nosed practicalist, is that turns out grants are your friends. Everyone we talk to, when I ask them, how do you pay for this? Right? They go, well, grants... And, but it's always grants. Grants and, right? and yes. Union it can be is, plate giving for a while, but. It can be a coffee shop and grants. And. It can be plate giving and grants. Yeah. Um, for us, I'm hope, we're, we're hoping it's some combination of like, you know, for-profit thing on our property, plate giving, because that's a spiritual thing as much as it is a financial thing. Um, and grants. It's a yeah. grant that, you know, we do this show because of a grant. Um, right. But, like, that is, that's the piece. If I think of my own, I think of my own deficiencies a lot, this is one of my deficiencies, is I do not, I have not spent enough time seeking grants. Because um, it's very structured, and it's, you know, it doesn't appeal to my personality. But it turns out, like, everyone we talk to is grants and. Uh, my friend Amy, uh, who runs um, uh, Christ Foundry um, United Methodist in Dallas, um, that's her. Like she's like great. Her she is another one. I asked Amy, how do you do this? Because th- she serves a similar uh, demographic to us, and she's like, well, grants and. And I'm like, yeah, no, d- darn it, Amy. Th- 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 you know, I needed you to have a different answer. But Um, that there are people out there who are willing to pay for cool and interesting things that are happening in the kingdom of God. So maybe go do cool and interesting things and people will help you pay for them. Grants are your friends. Right. Turns out grants are your friends. Like Mm -hmm. if you, if you are like us and perpetually find yourself unable to pay for the cool and interesting things, what I'm now going to tell you is the same thing that all of the people I keep asking. And I ask everybody this. Um, I, you know, I am not ashamed of how broke we are. Um, and so when I am talking to other pastors, um, and other church leaders who do the kind of work that we do and seek to do, they all open with grants, comma, and then other things, but it is always grants. And so I offer this advice to to you, the listener, the you, the viewer, um, turns out it's grants. And how are you going to fund this? I don't know, but it's going to start with grants and something. Can't do it all <laughs> on grants. Um, uh, try, having conversations I've had this week with other ministries. You cannot do it all on grants. Um, you need to diversify finances, which is a lot of what I think about. Uh, but it turns out one of the arms of I am I am more able to conceive of a church coffee shop than it was. Yeah, yeah, it's hunt grants, you idiot. Um, but like. Hunt grants, you idiot. Um, so anyways, that brings us to a wrap on this show and a wrap on 2023. Um, it has been, you know, we've been at this show for six months now, which is wild. 
Um, thank you uh, for coming on this journey with us. Um, it it has been a remarkable year. Uh, when we entered the, you know, I told our board this. I'll tell anyone who listens to this. When we started this year, it was not clear we'd be finishing it, um, and that we're still here podcasting and um, making jokes about flying drummers, um, <laughs> and. Uh, worshiping and giving away kids to 150. And this wasn't like, this was, these were the kids who would come to worship, right? Like we gave away 150 Christmas gifts. We ran out of tamales. Um, it was beautiful. Um, that those are the conversations we're having is nothing short of miraculous. And so um, if you're listening and you're a member of the church, thank you for being a part of this miracle. Um, all of the way God, I believe God works is we were all a part of this, um, with God moving through us. Um, and you know, if you're listening to this from, from another place or maybe even another time, um, if this year has reminded me of anything, I guess I'm adding a sixth thing is that miracles do in fact happen. Um, Amen to that. they may be slower. They may be weirder. They may not look like sky beams. Um, but miracles do, in fact, happen. Um, so if you want to tell your own stories of miracles, we'd love to read them as a way of starting the new year. Um, just email us, thegoodnessofgodpod at gmail.com. That is thegoodnessofgodpod at gmail.com. Speaking of grants, this show um, was made possible by an innovators grant by the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. If you want to find out more about what we do here at Servants of Christ, we do here in the Servants Now Media Lab here in the heart of Southeast Houston. Just go to Servants Now on all the things. Um, where I've ran into some technical challenges with our beautiful TikToks, but they will be going <laughs> up soon. Um, so it's, we're at Servants Now on everything, or our website is servantsnow.org. Uh, um, if you want to help us, um, and you are existing here in this digital space. I don't do the call to action enough because I hate like, comment, and subscribe. But also, like, like, comment, and subscribe. Share. If this is meaningful to you, share it with somebody else. Uh, we put it out in the world in the hope that folks will find it meaningful. Uh, and so if you find it meaningful, and thus you've made it through this hour-long show, uh, share this with somebody else. Um, because we, we want, you know, we do this hopefully to bless others and we would love it to bless as many folks as possible. Um, so like, comment, subscribe, and share this with somebody. Um, also leave us a review on iTunes or Apple podcast. That weirdly helps. Um, five star reviews, please. Um, if you have other thoughts, just email us the goodness of God pod at gmail.com. <laughs> um, and as I say every week, um, but it's also true. Um, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Um, and we'll see you in the new year. Mm-hmm.